the joys of having your own children down there. <laughs> well, thank you so much. It is an honor to be here this morning. Um, you know, the joys of coming to share in a place like this is that this is not an unfamiliar place, nor is it unfamiliar people. Um, I think it was 2016, 2017 when we came uh, for the missions conference here, and uh, many of you signed up for our newsletter as missionaries, and so it's a joy to know that you all are praying for us. And so when I come and, you know, before the sermon share, you know, that we serve as uh, basically like the assistant regional director for Child Evangelism Fellowship in the Caribbean, and we actually just got done with a, a major regional conference in Kingston, Jamaica, uh, you, know, you know, many of you in this room have already read our newsletter about it that we just sent a couple weeks ago. And uh, I was actually just in the Bahamas this week, actually, uh, I got back late Friday night, and um, uh, they are celebrating 30 years of having Child of Insulin Fellowship there in the Bahamas. And they have a big plan to reach 7,500 children in the Bahamas just this Christmas. And this is going to be the most children that they've ever reached, ever. And by God's grace, we, are, we, we very much can see how this can actually happen with God's help. And so just pray for CF Bahamas. Uh, I was actually meeting with the Governor General uh, of the Bahamas, and uh, that was why I was there for just a brief visit. Uh, was because just on Thursday I was actually meeting with the Governor General, and it was a real honor honor to uh, have that. So thank you for your prayers for those of us, uh, for those of you who who uh, have our newsletter and pray for us. And thank you so much for the opportunity to come back to First Prez and uh, to see so many familiar faces uh, and people um, like the Schumacks, for example, who uh, were grandparents really to our kids when we lived in Montgomery together. And so this is a real special place to come back. So thank you for having us. Now, the last time I was here, I believe I uh, shared with you the preaching beatitude for guest preachers, which is, uh, blessed are the brief, for they will be invited back. <laughs> and so clearly it worked. So uh, I, I was here uh, last, you know, last December, and uh, so clearly it worked. Now, I will say Parker Johnson told me on Tuesday, uh, when he explained the situation uh, for me needing to come this weekend, uh, Parker did tell me that since it was daylight savings time ending that I had an extra hour to preach. So I plan on taking uh, him up on that. So uh, let's go ahead and pray. Uh, Sovereign Lord, we do thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you for this time to worship you. God, we thank you that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. We thank you for the love that you have for us, God, and for the chance that we have just to Come here and learn from your word. God, help us to understand your word. Help it to pierce our hearts and our minds and our lives. And I pray that everything that I say would be forgotten and everything that you say would be remembered forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, when was the last time that you did something that you really didn't want to do? Now, one of my daughters... Uh, which I won't tell you which one since they are all here this morning, though a couple of them are back in children's church. It's not the oldest one. Um, <laughs> they, uh, one of them, and, and if you know them, you probably can pick which one it was, uh, said very expressively the other day, but I don't want to be nice to my sister. <laughs> and actually said even more recently, said, I don't want, or no, no, she said, it's, it's hard to do what's right when I'm angry. 
And like the beauty of the openness with that comment, because if we're honest, you and I feel the same way, but don't actually express that out loud, right? It is hard to do the right thing. It is hard sometimes to love people that may not be very lovable. All of us have been in this situation this morning, uh, well, maybe this morning. <laughs> uh, all of you have been in this, in this situation before. But if you get nothing else out of the sermon today, get this, Jesus helps you be different. Jesus helps you be different. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus helps you be weird. That's an important qualifier there. I think sometimes uh, we in the church have a reputation for being a little bit weird and being a peculiar people, not in the way that Scripture intended that you know, statement to be made. But Jesus helps us be different. Different from the world's way of doing things, different from the world's way of reacting to things. Uh, all of us can think about times in business or in work or in neighbors uh, or in just daily life and family where the world would act a certain way, but we have opportunities on a daily, moment-by-moment basis to act in a different way because of who is our true Father. Jesus helps us be different. And so our scripture today is Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. If you will please stand for the reading of God's word, if you can. Uh, Colossians 3, Chapter 3, verse 12. This is the word of the Lord. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against each other, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of the Lord. You may be seated. We will see in this letter to the church at Colossae this morning that Jesus changes our internal desires, Jesus changes our relationships, and Jesus changes our worship. Point number one, Jesus changes our internal desires. You will notice that in the very first verse, in verse 12, it says, we are chosen, we are called, we are set apart. It says, put on then as God's chosen ones. This is very important because it shows the relationship that we have to the one who called us. That we are God's. And God has us in His hand. And that nothing can take us out of His hands. That we are His chosen people. How incredible it is to be God's chosen people. Let's not ever lose sight of that. Oftentimes, you know, we may think that, you know, it's, uh, you know, something, uh, you know, that we earn. I mean, that's something that uh, for thousands of years people have thought that we can do things to earn God's favor. And the fact is, we did nothing to earn God's favor. 
In fact, we did everything we could to not earn God's favor if we're honest with ourselves. And many of us have different testimonies even to where we were running away from God, but by God's grace, He ran after us. He chose us. He went after us. He redeemed us at the cross. In spite of our sin, in spite of how we would let Him down, He chose us. We are His. And so He's saying, as God's family, as God's chosen ones, this is what you're supposed to look like. So he's writing this letter that Paul often did. The collection of the New Testament is a lot of what Paul's letters were. And different churches had different needs. And But all of these letters as part of Scripture are also written to First Presbyterian Bruton. As God's chosen ones right here, right now, in this moment, on this day, on this year, this letter still is applicable to us today. So for those of you in this room, as God's chosen ones, put on then these things. And it's interesting, when it says put on, if you go into the Greek, and you really, and we could spend a lot of time going into all the uh, nerdiness, if you will, of all the Greek translations and you know, everything else, but if you just look at the word put on, it really has the idea of clothing. Which is why in the children's sermon was talking about costumes and putting on clothing. And in this case, uh, if you actually look, now I'm not, a, I'm not saying that one should read the message version of the Bible. You know, Bible it, it, it is a paraphrase, so you have to understand the message uh, translation as a paraphrase. It's not a true translation. But it's interesting because the message paraphrase can really help you sometimes to kind of go outside the box and go, wait a minute, why, why did they paraphrase it this way? And then you go into the original meaning, I'm like, oh, okay, that's why they, they kind of paraphrase it this way. Because when it says in Colossians 3.12, in the message paraphrase, it says this, and don't miss this out, or don't miss this. It says, dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. That's literally what it says in the message. Dress in the wardrobe God picked out for you. Now, I don't know about you, but actually this morning I was... Uh, trying to figure out what I was going to wear. And I actually asked Mandy for advice <laughs> on how to uh, match the pants with the jacket and everything because I had a couple different options I could choose from. And I was like, you know, what's going to work here? Because uh, my typical suit that I would wear, I wore to the Governor General visit in the Bahamas. <laughs> um, and so I was trying to figure out what to wear. And so my wife helped me pick out what to wear. Guess what? Jesus the God of the universe has told us what we are to wear. And that is compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, and the whole rest of this passage. That is what the God of the universe has told you and I to wear and to look like to the world. You know, October 31st was this past week, and we as good Reformed people rightly celebrate Reformation Day. We also know that October 31st is known as Halloween and is a big part of our culture, unfortunately. Uh, but people wear costumes, right? And so, you know, regardless of whatever your family's, you know, feelings on October 31st may be, but, you know, a lot of people will wear costumes, right? And it's a way to pretend for one day out of the year to look like something that they not are normally. 
So for one day, last Monday, people dressed up as something that they were not normally when they go to work even. I mean, I actually went to the bank on Monday, and there was a lady at the bank in the drive through line that was dressed up like a cat. <laughs> Obviously, typically, that would not happen at the bank. But on one day out of the year, they dressed up as something that they were not normally. Now, don't miss this. How often at church do we one day out of the week look like something that we not are that we that we are not normally we pretend to be something that we're not we put on a costume for church and right on sunday night even we're somebody entirely different that is not what god has chosen for his people God is telling us that we are to look like Jesus because he has enabled us to look like Jesus by his strength. We can't do this by ourselves. Now it's interesting in verse 12 when it says all of these things, he's, he's not, you know, like these are all internal desires. These are not external things. These are all internal things. So as it switches in verse 13 and 14, it starts to talk about external things. But internally, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. These are things on the inside of your heart that God wants us to deal with. Now, don't miss this either. If we did these things already, we wouldn't have to be reminded to do it. <laughs> you don't have to... Uh, naturally be reminded to like good homemade banana pudding. You don't have to be reminded to do that. You don't have to be reminded to really love, in my case, making good barbecue and eating good barbecue. Like, I just love to make brisket and everything. Like I, I mean, that is my hobby. I just love it. I don't have to be reminded to love to make barbecue. But guess what? I need to be reminded to put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, and everything else. Paul's not telling us something that we already do by, our, by default. These are actually the opposite of what we do by default. We need Jesus to help us to do it. If anything, we in the church should be the most known for these things in the world and in the city, and, in our and by our neighbors. We should be most known for these things. Jesus helps us to be different. And then number two, Jesus changes our relationships. Jesus changes our relationship. We will read again uh, verse 13 and 14. The word of the Lord. Bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you, must, or so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. So when it says this in verse 13, forgiveness, it means true forgiveness. Forgiveness that is difficult. I don't know about you, but in some cases it's very hard to forgive. And maybe, you know, I don't know every single one of you in this room, some of you have been through incredibly hard situations. Some of you have been in, in very painful situations. Some of you have been in, in very abusive situations in a room this size. And the idea of forgiving someone who has hurt you deeply to the core 
may seem like something that is impossible. Well, guess what? It is, apart from Jesus. Because the one who forgave us of all things and all of the sin and all of the heinous things we would do to a holy God has forgiven us. And so by His grace, through His strength, through the help of others, through a process of the Holy Spirit's sanctification in our lives, we then can reach a point where we can forgive others. Maybe imperfectly, but we can forgive. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. He's meaning forgiveness that is difficult, not like what happened even this morning. Again, I won't say who they were, but they were a a bit of arguing with each other, and the one uh, person said to the other, I'm sorry, to, to her sister, and it wasn't really a true apology, and it wasn't really a true forgiveness either. It was one of those kind of just sisters' little, you know, bickering kind of things. That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about true forgiveness that is difficult. In the same way, he's also talking about true love in verse 14. And above all these things, put on love. Not love for coffee. Not love for gardening. Not love for uh, looking nice for the camera. True love for people that are not very lovable sometimes. You will notice where it says, again, put on love. It's the same idea of clothing yourself with love, where it's not a pretend love, it is a true love, it's part of who you are, is the idea here. Putting on love. When people are dumb, (laughs) when people are hurtful even, When people are unloving, God calls us to love. Even when it doesn't make sense to love. Even when it's not what the world would do, He calls us to love. We need to put love on in those situations. And even has the idea in verse 14, in perfect harmony. Now the word harmony gets thrown out a lot in church, right? And even in business sometimes, where it talks about let's be a unified team. Sometimes in situations, unity means uniformity. And that is not what is being discussed here. The absence of conflict is not the presence of unity. Let me say that again, because this is very important. The absence of conflict is not the presence of unity. Sometimes God's people, it is good to in love, iron sharpening iron. Guess what? If you've done any blacksmithing or anything like that, I don't even know if that's the right way of phrasing that. But if you've ever uh, seen a blacksmith at work, maybe that's a better way of phrasing it. When iron sharpens iron, what happens? There's sparks. Sometimes it takes friction to make motion, and that's a good thing. If it is done in love. True love. If it is done in true love. And so when there is true love... That is what binds everything in true perfect harmony, in true perfect unity. Where there is peace one to another, where I may not agree with you, but I'm not going to attack your character. There's a true love for one another. You might even, we have election on Tuesday. Guess what? Every single person in this room that's here today, 
you know, I hope everyone goes out and votes on Tuesday, and hopefully all of you will be here next Sunday for another uh, time to gather together as his church, and there's a chance that out of a room this size, obviously there's going to be people that vote differently, and guess what? We're all part of the family of God, and that's okay. We may not agree with it. We may have strongly held opinions, but guess what? Every single one of you can still come to church next Sunday and worship God as the family of God in unity with one another because of love, because of Jesus. Amen? And there's a word here before I move on to the last point. There's a word here I really want to to bring out, and that's the word binds. Binds everything together in perfect harmony. Now, if you've ever done any cooking, uh, we oftentimes, we didn't this morning, but we oftentimes on Sunday morning like to make muffins. And uh, Maddie and Mandy definitely know this story, and, and actually Rebecca sitting in the room actually know this story as well already. Uh, but uh, with, with the word binder, um, I clearly needed more coffee uh, the la- uh, a few times ago that we made muffins, because I could tell that it looked different when I took the muffins um, out of the muffin pan. There was a lack of an egg And guess what? Egg serves as a binder with muffin mix. And I was making the muffins, and I forgot to add the eggs, and the lack of the binder made a very real difference in the mix. So one, it looked different. Two, these eggs, or lack thereof, permanently changes the result. There's no way of going back and fixing it. It saturates every part of the muffin batter. There isn't just a way to remove the binder. And you can't just add the egg to the mix and say, well, we're good. You would have to intentionally work at it to put the egg back in there to produce the desired result. When it says love binds everything together, the next time you make muffins or the next time you make cookies or a cake or whatever else, when you add the egg to it, think about how love binds everything together because eggs bind everything together when you're cooking something. That is the idea here that God is trying to make, that it thoroughly saturates every single part of who you are and it produces a different result because of the presence of that binder in your life. Just like an egg would in any form of baking that you would do. It's not something we just add on. Love truly binds us together. Jesus changes our relationships. When you think about this idea that love binds everything together, uh, we think about how um, you and I have different relationships at work, in family, again, uh, in business, where love or lack of love affects that relationship. As we seek to show love and forgiveness one with each other, uh, you might live in situations, you know, those of us in ministry tend to live in kind of a Christian bubble, but uh, there are situations that we all have where we're interacting with the world. Like, for example, I have the blessed privilege of serving as the vice president of our HOA. And we have a brand new HOA, and I'm not a big fan of HOAs. But <laughs> I have a first row seat to how people often do not show love to each other. <laughs> and often do not show forgiveness one to another. In fact, this one neighbor uh, Uh, emailed me the other day and was like so and so did this or whatever something very minor and I was like have you and and I straight up asked this guy I was like have you already 
talk to the neighbor? This is next door neighbor that he's calling the HOA about. Next door neighbor. And I was like, have you talked to this neighbor? And he was like, no, I just feel like the HOA should handle it. I was like, and it was just about like some limbs in the guy's yard. And it was just like, how often in the world do they handle things one way where we as a church should be known to be different? And then lastly, Jesus changes our worship. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called to one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So track with me as we finish this. We put on a change of who we are on the inside because we're God's chosen people. Because of being changed on the inside, we then have different relationships with those around us, both in the church and outside the church. And then because of all those changes in our life, we now worship in a different way. We're no longer worshiping the things that the world worships. We're not worshiping uh, God in the way that we want to worship Him. We're worshiping God in a way that pleases Him. We're worshiping God in a different way. We're putting down the idols of our life and we're putting forth worship of Him as our King. Because He is the one true God. And the idea is that if Jesus helps us be different, if Jesus helps His church to be different, if Jesus helps you to be different, then we're going to look different, we're going to be different, and, then, and, and the city of Bruton, in this case, is going to know a difference in the people that go here because they are truly walking after Jesus, and they've been changed by the power of Jesus. And they will want to know tomorrow, when you face a problem at work, why you're handling this situation differently. Why are you giving grace? Why are you not acting the way that you probably would? Because of Jesus. So the challenge here this morning today is if we can just do this by God's strength through His power, the world, the city, this church even, would be transformed. Let's pray. Sovereign Lord, we give You thanks for who You are. God, these verses, though few are incredibly hard to do sometimes. And so God, right now, we confess our sins to You that we don't often live up to these expectations because we can't. And so right now, together, we cry out to You saying, Jesus, help us to do this. Because even though we are saved, God, we, as we look forward to the day when there is no more pain, when there is no more suffering, when there is no more sin, God, as we look forward to that day, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We recognize that we are in the already and not yet. And we cry out for your grace and mercy in our lives to help us be different when we naturally do not want to be different. God, help us even today to show love, to show humility, to show compassion. Even when it's hard, even when it hurts, 
even when we know that we can't do it, God, please help us to do it so that we can look more like you with every passing day. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.